Welcome to Still Pretty, a Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast from Chipperish Media. I'm story expert and mom thinking maybe she should have sent Buffy to a different school, Lonnie Diane Rich. And I'm Noelle LaCroix, and I'm a scholar. I'm like a scholar. <laughs> and we're here today to talk about Graduation Day Parts 1 and 2, the 21st and 22nd episodes of Season 3. Graduation Day Part 1 aired on May 18th, 1999. Part 2 aired on July 13th, 1999, delayed for almost two months out of respect for the recent national trauma of the Columbine shooting. Both episodes were written and directed by Joss Whedon with Jane Espenson as executive story editor and Doug Petrie as story editor. As I'm sure you all know by now, Still Pretty is a fully spoiled Buffy the Vampire Slayer podcast for your listening pleasure and our discussing pleasure. Really, it just makes it easier on everyone if we're not spoiler sensitive and we've maybe seen the whole thing at some point recently (laughs) or otherwise. Fire bad. Tree pretty. Let's go on patrol. In Graduation Day Parts 1 and 2, Buffy and the Scoobies are preparing for Graduation Day, at which the mayor is going to deliver the commencement speech, and they're all likely to die. Faith kills a professor of volcanology for the mayor, and in return, he buys her a pretty pink dress that makes her feel wicked uncomfortable. Meanwhile, Willow is worried about her classmates, many of whom she kind of hated, but nothing makes you feel nostalgia like getting the hell out of Hellmouth High. And it's bad enough we have to fight the mayor. I don't want him eating Percy in the whole class. We have to find a spell or something to stop the ascension. We will. Buffy decides to investigate the professor that Faith killed. But before she can take off, Xander brings Anya in to tell her eyewitness story of an ascension she witnessed. She tells them that they've never seen a demon. All the demons they've dealt with have been human hybrids, like a Prius that runs on evil. But a real demon is different, bigger, and way more deadly. The mayor shows up in the middle of their meeting, and when he threatens Buffy, Giles stabs him through the heart with a fencing sword. The mayor pulls the sword out, unfazed. See you all at graduation. You don't want to miss my commencement address. (laughs) It's going to be one heck of a speech. Buffy goes home and packs up Joyce's things, sending her out of town so Buffy can focus on taking down the mayor. Willow and Oz panic by having sex, which, as far as panic responses go, Well played, Oz. Buffy goes to the professor's apartment to get information, and while she's there, Angel shows up. While they're arguing outside, Faith shoots an arrow into Angel. Miss the heart. Meant to. With the information Buffy got from the professor, Wesley and Giles figure out that the mayor will only be impervious to harm until he ascends. After that, he can be killed. Angel collapses. The arrow was poisoned. He starts to run a fever. Willow gets to work and sends Xander out to get magical supplies. He runs into Anya in the hallway, who tries to get him to go away with her, but he refuses. Back at Angel's place, Buffy is caring for Angel when Wesley reports that the Watcher's Council will not help, so Buffy quits. Willow figures out what the poison is. The only possible cure is draining the blood of a slayer. Angel needs to drain a slayer, then I'll bring him one. Buffy, if Angel drains Faith's blood, it'll kill her. Not if she's already dead. Buffy figures out where Faith is staying and goes there to find her. They fight. Buffy stabs Faith with the knife the mayor gave her, but Faith falls off the roof onto a passing truck, and Buffy can't bring her back to Angel for the cure. She leaves. The mayor shows up at Faith's apartment. 
and panics. Put everyone on it. Do it now. But sir, the ascension... Find them! Angel's getting worse and hallucinating. Buffy returns and sends Oz and Willow away. Then she goes into Angel's room and tells him he has to drink her. He refuses, but she insists. She fights with him, forcing his inner vampire out and puts his mouth to her neck. He drinks and she passes out. He rushes her to the hospital and calls Giles. In a nearby room, the mayor has found Faith and the doctor tells him it's unlikely she will ever regain consciousness. The mayor then finds Buffy in the next room and tries to smother her with his hand, but Angel pulls him away. Murderous little fiend. Did you see what she did to my Faith? I hadn't made plans to weep over that one. Well, I'd get set for some weeping if I were you. I'd get set for a world of pain. Misery loves company, young man, and I'm looking to share that with you and your whore. Giles shows up with the Scoobies, and Angel tells them what happened. Angel is ashamed, and they send him away. Meanwhile, Buffy has a dream of being in Faith's apartment, and Faith tells her that the mayor's still human and has human weakness. Buffy wakes up and goes over to Faith's bed, kisses her on the forehead, and goes out to find the Scoobies. I'm ready. Ready for what? War. At the school, the Scoobies plan for the Ascension, leaving every idea on the table, including attacking the mayor with hummus. Wesley shows up and offers his help. Meanwhile, the mayor plans for the Ascension, which will block out the sun, allowing for vampires to play. Xander and Willow go out into the school to recruit students into the fight, and Cordelia and Wesley share an awkward kiss in the library, discovering that there really is no chemistry between them. Buffy goes into Giles' office to talk to Angel. So are we sure that everyone's good with their business? I'm not going to say goodbye. When we get through this, I'm just going to go. At graduation, the mayor comes in to give his speech, and actually gives the speech before the ascension true evil. The sun blots out and the day goes dark and the mayor starts to turn into a giant snake. The plan begins. Xander and Angel command the troops of students, who all have weapons under their graduation gowns, to fight the mayor and the vampires. The mayor eats Snyder. Buffy uses Faith's bloody knife to get the mayor's attention, then runs to the library with him in chase. When he gets there, she jumps out the window where Giles waits with a plunger to set off the explosion. Well, gosh. The school blows up, taking the mayor with it. Buffy talks to Xander, who tells her the angel made it through the fight. Giles comes up to congratulate her and gives her her diploma, which he fished out of the wreckage. He goes off to tend to Wesley, and Buffy turns and sees Angel watching her. They look at each other for a moment, then he turns around and walks away into the smoky haze. She goes over to Xander, Willow, Oz, and Cordelia, and they do a little post-battle processing. Guys, take a moment to deal with this. We survived. It was a hell of a battle. Not the battle. High school. All right, so, Noelle, here we are. Season finale for season three. This has been quite a haul. Season three has been really, really fun and interesting. So how do you feel about the the seasons as a whole now that uh, you've been through three of them? The season finale for season three, I think, is the best season finale of the show. Mm-hmm. Full stop. Full stop. Yeah. I think three is, for me anyway, where it's at. Um, mm-hmm. But what I love especially about the season three season finale is that it 
builds on seasons one and two. Mm -hmm. So just thematically speaking, right, in terms of what we're exploring. So season one is all about the self. It's all season one. We have one. It's the self, self Mm self-mastery, right? We even have the Mm -hmm. master as our villain. (laughs) Um, So, you know, Buffy dies and comes back through the magic of friendship and being herself, really, and owning Mm -hmm. herself as the slayer. And that's where we are when season one wraps up. Season two, of course, is the self plus the other. That's two, Mm -hmm. Angel and Buffy. And we wrap that up with, Buffy having to stab Angel, which is so hard, is so hard because we have dealt with this, you know, this pair Mm -hmm. for the entirety of season two. Season three is the self, the Mm -hmm. other, and the community. And that, I think, is why it feels so phenomenal to me Mm -hmm. in terms of a conclusion to the high school portion of... Buffy yeah. the Vampire Slayer, you know, as as a, a as a story that continues, not just from episode to episode, but from season to to season. So we have these mm-hmm. expanding concentric rings of influence and power, and then of course yeah. we blow up the school and we reset everything for season four, which really <laughs> ends up being about the small friend group, you know, working together as kind of a traveling party of magical and mundane badasses but for the yeah we it have becomes concluded, a different show yeah it yeah. really does it really does and you can almost see the i don't want to say friction because that sounds mm-hmm. too negative but you can kind of see mm-hmm. like all right what do we do now that high school right. is no longer a character in our story um, yeah mm-hmm. but seasons one two and three i love the way they they build on the slayer, who she is, who her identity, you know, what her identity is, who she is, you know, in relationship to her companion, (laughs) her partner, Mm -hmm. and then Mm -hmm. who she is with in connection to her community, this high school community. It gives me it gives me big feelings, many, many big feelings. Well, yeah. And it's really cool how this this high school story, which a, a lot of high school stories are, I mean, is basically a coming of age story. Right. Mm-hmm. And it starts all the way. And I love this idea of the self then the self and the other and the self, the other and expanding out into the community. Right. Mm-hmm. And once Buffy understands herself as a leader in a community, this is also where she breaks free from the Watchers Council. Yes. I mean, you know, Giles gets fired from it. So that's the first part of that crack. But by the end, she just says, well, you know, I quit. So Mm -hmm. let's see who you're going to watch now that you don't have a slayer. You know, she's (laughs) realizing and recognizing her own power in that situation and coming to understand her own power, you know, which is which is a real big part of that coming of age, that process, you know, um, that she's kind of grown up when we move through uh, seasons four through seven. It is a different show, you know, because we've already achieved this coming of age story, you know. So what happens after that? What happens when you've come of age? What are the challenges that you're facing and how do they work thematically throughout the run of um of the rest of Buffy and I think that that we have a couple of really shaky the shakiest stuff that we have in Buffy comes post this anchor of the high school and of the coming of age story you know for sure and of course we've had you know season three is where we introduce faith and Mm -hmm. this other slayer and these ideas of 
multiple possibilities, like multiple trajectories yeah. for the Slayer and who she could become. Um, mm-hmm. And the Buffy Faith stuff is just real, real. Oh, my God. So delicious. So crunchy. So, so it's salty. So, so good. I love it. I love it so, it's so much. So great. Well, the whole season really is is addressing duality in so many different ways. You know, we've got this Faith and Buffy, right? You know, two slayers, right? In, in which at the beginning, mm-hmm. like our whole central thesis of this show was one girl in all the world, right? That right. is the central thing about Buffy. And yet now there are two. Right. Yeah. So we have these. I mean, we've had that. We had that with Kendra, too. But Kendra came in sort of as a, you know, as a side figure, you know, and then, of course, they killed her. Um, right. And then we have Faith. But Faith is there as an actual like she's not just coming in as a bit player. She is a mirror put up against Buffy. So the central relationship of this season really is Faith and Buffy. And then we go to this kind of mirroring this duality in general. We have Wesley as a reflection on Giles. We Mm -hmm. have Doppelgangland with the two willows. Um, Mayor and Faith as a dark reflection of the Giles and Buffy relationship. Um, So, so what we see so much in, in season three are these, these reflections, you know, um, these kind of foils everybody's got like a foil to who they are Mm -hmm. you know um and it's it's really fun to kind of play with all those reflections because it it ends up giving us more of an insight into all of those characters and all of those relationships which i really really love um one of the things though that i wanted to talk about with faith and buffy and that i really wanted to get your input on because you know how i am about dream sequences (laughs) all of it feels like yeah, it feels like performative meaning in dream sequences for me generally, rather than actual meaning, you know, mm-hmm. um, I think that Buffy gets a pass. I think that the dream sequences and Buffy, because I, I talk about dream sequences in general, are, you know, are kind of this cheap performative, you know, look at my depth kind of thing when there really isn't <laughs> a, any actual depth there. I think that with um, with the, the dream sequences, for the most part in Buffy, um, we end up getting a lot more in those that actually has real meaning that that can be mined for something, you know, other than just seeming to be deep and to have deep meaning. Um, it actually does. My skill set at pulling that meaning out of dream sequences, because dream sequences, I bounce off them so gone god damn hard every time I see one um but some of the things and I and I have to say like most of the insights about this are not mine um there's uh there's she faith says miles to go right which is a reference mm-hmm. to the robert frost uh poem stopping by woods on a snowy evening um and i haven't spent a whole lot of time tearing that apart and figuring out what that poem means with regard <laughs> to buffy but this is the second reference we had the first reference in uh the prom and i think that there's i think there's another one out there somewhere but uh for anybody who's really interested in that ian martin at passion of the nerd actually does some extensive anal- analysis on the the significance of that poem uh, within Buffy and he's in the middle of his season five uh, review now he's he's starting on season five and he's pulling a lot of that in so I'm not even going to go I'm not going to repeat what he said I'm not going to talk because that's his stuff <laughs> go check him out Passion of the Nerd on uh, on YouTube and you can find him there he's doing brilliant brilliant work with that um, and I've also seen the reference to the Little Miss Muffet counting down from 730 right because mm-hmm. 730 is the number of days in two years 
Um, and so there, I saw somebody saying like, oh, and it's two years before Dawn, but it's not two years before Dawn shows up. It's like it's like 13 months before Dawn shows up now. Right. Um, so so all of this stuff I see there, there's the cat, there's all of these things <laughs> in there. Um, I am not skilled at pulling the meaning out of this sort of thing, but you are. So what I want to do is just hand this over to you <laughs> and let you do the stuff that I'm not good at. <laughs> well, it's funny, like for the most part, I do agree with you about dream sequences in fiction because yes the way dreams function i mean this is going to be super super overly simplified but basically dreams are our messages to ourselves you know our mm-hmm. unconscious minds giving us speaking to us in symbols that it hopes we can understand i mean this is yes mm-hmm. Again, super oversimplified. Also, you know, I'm bringing my own bias to this. However, (laughs) the problem, the problem with a fictionalized dream or a dream sequence is that it really is tempting to just do the whole, yeah, and then there was a clown on the roof, which was also a tennis court. And you're like, no, that doesn't, no, you're just, you're you're doing Dadaism now. You're not, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you're not giving us um, symbols, which is really yes. what we, what we're looking at when we look at mm-hmm. dreams. Um, mm-hmm. So I actually, <laughs> I actually really like this coma dream. Um if for no other reason, then, you know, Buffy says, is this your mind or mine? And uh-huh. Faith says, hell if I know. Like, are yeah. they in the same headspace? Is this some sort mm-hmm. of, you know, slayer coma intimacy that, mm-hmm. you know, like, is this connected to both of them being in this altered state of consciousness simultaneously Mm -hmm. you know within a few feet of each other like I just yeah there's some slayer magic going on there but I do think that some Mm -hmm. of the symbols in this particular dream are really really powerful um and really really do add meaning to the story as a whole so the cat you mentioned the cat (laughs) which I love because Faith doesn't have a cat you know this is not (laughs) this isn't something from from the world. Um, but the cat, and this is from Teresa Chung's Element Encyclopedia of 20,000 Dreams. Quote, Young saw cats in dreams as representing the hidden or secretive side of a person's nature. Cats often feature in dreams of women to represent the urge to care for someone. So we're at this difficult place with Buffy and Faith, because of course, Buffy has had this plan to kill Faith and then bring her to Angel and she's handcuffed them together while they're fighting, which I just Mm -hmm. have to, I have to jump back in time for a minute and give big, big love to our stunt performers in that scene. That is just such a beautiful fight sequence. And Mm -hmm. I think that it, it really, um, it really shows the relationship between the characters in a way that fights in fiction often don't. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, the this bit about the urge to care for someone. Buffy, Buffy was going to feed Faith to Angel, but she still also loves Faith. Yeah. And mm-hmm. Faith loves Buffy and seems to have this, like, odd 
uh, admiration for her when mm-hmm. when mm-hmm. Buffy stabs her in the gut. It's like it's yeah. really, really brutal emotional stuff. And then here we have this secret hidden nature in the dream in the form of the cat who, of course, flashes onto Faith in a coma. So mm-hmm. is Faith yeah. the cat? Mm-hmm. Does the cat represent mm-hmm. Buffy's desire to care for Faith after having put her in a coma? I mean, I don't know, mm-hmm. but I love the kind of the dual symbolism there with the cat. And then 730... I have gotten on a big numerology kick lately, so mm-hmm. <laughs> everybody excuse me as I just like nerd out about <laughs> numerology. But in the tarot, mm-hmm. seven is the chariot, three is the empress, and zero is the fool. And you can look up mm-hmm. what all of those mean, but really, really simply, the chariot is harnessing of power and resources. Uh, the empress mm-hmm. is about feminine openness and love. Um, mm-hmm. both as kind of the mother figure and the lover figure. And then the fool is about new possibilities, about new mm-hmm. new beginnings and kind of endless possibilities. And yeah. I think all of those mm-hmm. speak really strongly. All of those those numerological archetypes speak really strongly to where we are with, not just with Buffy and Faith, but with Buffy as yeah. she's looking forward to graduation day and I don't mean looking forward in the excited about sense um right uh but seven seven thirty seven three zero um in law appears to be connected to mental illness which again oh, brings us back to is this your mind or mine and yeah. that question you know we've we've written off faith we we, the show, <laughs> have written mm-hmm. off, off faith as being crazy and kind right. of used that idea as a catch-all for why she is the way she is and why she's able to behave mm-hmm. the way she behaves. But there's also this this kind of undercurrent of knowledge that, no, it's not just that she's, we're just going to write her off as crazy. It's that this is, you know, Buffy could easily have gone this direction as well. Mm-hmm. Um Mm-hmm. And that faith's, you know, the mental gymnastics that enable faith to do the kinds of things she does are much more related to trauma and pain and grief than they are to, well, she's just crazy and doesn't give a fuck about anybody. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like the complicated, the complicated nature of, um, sanity like i mean the the joke in doppelgangland about you know faith wouldn't be on would never be on the cover of sanity fair which right. is a great mm-hmm. bit of writing but also yeah like there's something about about mental capabilities and like what happens to the mind as a result of grief i mean contemporary psychology um will tell you that trauma reshapes the brain that you (laughs) that Mm -hmm. it actually like causes physical changes in the brain um so and i don't know where i'm going with this other than i love i love this mirroring of buffy and faith i love them coming together in this dream space when they've Mm -hmm. been so at odds and they're they are peaceful 
in this unconscious yeah. space. Faith is faith is turning everything over to Buffy. This is where Buffy learns that the mayor is human with human mm-hmm. weakness. And ultimately, it's his humanity that's going to take him down, which is yeah. so deep and so crunchy. And then Faith says to Buffy, you know, Buffy asks about all of the boxes that are, mm-hmm. you know, everywhere. It looks like it looks like Faith is packing, which is yeah. really, really kind of heartrending when you think about the possibility that she's going to die in this hospital yeah. bed. There's this very at this point, mm-hmm. the show has set us up to believe that Faith is gone. We're never going to see her mm-hmm. again. She's never going to regain consciousness. So yeah, that we're perhaps in Faith's mind and Buffy is a visitor there and Faith tells her to take what you need. And mm-hmm. I just, it's yeah. heartbreaking. It just gets me. Faith is, Faith right. knows or at least believes in this, this unconscious mind space that she's going to die. And mm-hmm. she asks Buffy to take you know, from her, the things that serve her and leave the rest. Yeah. It's it's beautiful. It's beautiful. And I could yeah. get super emotional about it and probably talk about it for another three hours. But <laughs> like, <laughs> like the love story, the Faith Buffy yeah. love story that's never really given, I think, the time and attention that it deserves yeah. because there are mm-hmm. 900 other things going on in season three. Yeah. Um, is really as soon as I start to scratch the surface of it, it's just heartrending and it gets me in all of my feelings. So that's how I feel about yeah. the dream. <laughs> it gives me big feelings. And then of course, faith in the dream in dream space is what brings Buffy back. So there's almost this element mm-hmm. of sacrifice of life energy yeah. to bring Buffy back to consciousness because they're both Mm-hmm. They're both comatose when this happens. Yeah. And then Buffy mm-hmm. walks over to Faith's hospital bed and kisses her on the forehead, which is, of course, is yeah. what Faith does to Buffy before booking it out of Shay Angel, you know, when she says, yes. you know, you're going to you're going to get there someday or whatever, whatever it is she says. You're not ready. You're, you're not, not ready, ready to kill yet. me yet. Yeah. Yes. And now mm-hmm. Buffy's ready. Oh, I know. Well, and then and then Faith says at, during the fight, you killed me. Yeah. You know, so, um, yeah, it's it's really interesting. And this this also there's this point where where they're fighting and she says, give us a kiss. Oh, yeah. Right. Faith says that to Buffy. And then um, and then Buffy kisses Faith on the forehead, you know, replicating that, you know, you're not ready yet. Kiss on the forehead. Mm-hmm. You've killed me kiss on the forehead yeah you know um there is a real love story between Buffy and Faith and I think that you know we've talked a lot about kind of like these um you know these gay undertones to this this relationship the sexual undertones oh, between the, gay the, in the highlights it's not even gay undertones <laughs> it's like right. right out there but you know but I mean the thing is that like I, I think and of course death of the author doesn't matter if you see it it's there whether the author mm-hmm. intended it or not but I mean like I think that like when they were writing it my understanding is that they didn't even see what they were putting in there that it was just happening that this Buffy and Faith um, momentum is something that was almost bigger than even the people creating it you know um, but the thing is that like it's so clear that there is a real 
like love and affection and whether or not, you know, it's something that would be expressed in a sexual way doesn't undermine like the love story that is here. And it is so incredibly complex, especially because it is sort of, they are reflections of each other, mm-hmm. that they are kind of, you know, I mean, they're both slayers, one girl in all the world. They're two identities sort of fighting for one space, you know, um, and Faith being in a coma takes her, you know, for all intents and purposes out of that space, makes mm-hmm. Buffy once again the only slayer, right? So she has to go and sacrifice herself um, and make Angel drink from her. Mm-hmm. Uh, but also, like, if Buffy's plan had worked, if she had stabbed Faith, if she had brought Faith to Angel, oh, yeah, I don't think she would have been able to do it. I think in the end, she still would have chosen to have Angel feed from her. I mean, she was angry with Faith. She was upset with Faith. Faith shot Angel. Faith, you know, basically is killing Angel. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know that Buffy would have been able to do it. The moment that Buffy stabs her with the knife, it's like she has this moment of realization. In that moment, I don't think she would have brought Faith to Angel. I think she would have brought Faith to the hospital. Yeah. Well, I think it's even before. I think that moment happens even before she stabs Faith. Mm -hmm. When she pulls out the knife and Faith says, that's mine. Buffy says, you're about to get it back. Her voice Mm -hmm. breaks. She is, she has to do what she's about to do. But as Mm -hmm. soon as, as soon as Buffy sees Faith see what she's going to do. Yeah. She doesn't want to do it anymore. It's like that right. you can hear it in the performance as this last minute, mm-hmm. like, oh, shit, I changed my mind. So I think you're absolutely yeah. right that even if she had, you know, if they'd stayed handcuffed together and Buffy had, um, you know, maybe knocked Faith unconscious or or stabbed her and held on to her mm-hmm. and taken her to yeah. Angel. I'm not sure. Well, first of all, I'm not sure she would have been able to take her to Angel. I think she probably yeah. would have mm-hmm. looked at her, you know, bleeding and taken her to the hospital. Um, but even if she had taken her to Angel, I don't think she would have been able to go through with her plan. I don't think so. Yeah. I don't think she would have been able to. I think she still would have made Angel feed off of her. Because they love um, each other. Which is interesting. <laughs> yes, they do. And they because do. they are so, they're so connected in a way that nobody else, they can understand each other in a way that nobody else can understand either one of them. Um, and the, the relationship between these two is so fascinating and so layered and so complex that when we talk about it in terms of sexuality, it almost feels like it's, it's, that's part of it. And I feel like our, or at least at the time, the, you know, the slavish dedication to heteronormativity sort of muted things that they could have done with that part of that story, with that part of that relationship, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and as long as they didn't tell it in a way, you know, that was, that was a salacious look, we've got girls kissing, isn't it hot? Like that yeah. should I hate. Um, but actually exploring the space for this kind of love between these characters, I think is really interesting and really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that Buffy and Faith, you know, it's almost like loving each other is a, is a form of self love too. You know, accepting themselves that this is just a part of who they are and they can no longer choose whether or not they love each other. Mm -hmm. Then they got to choose whether or not they were a slayer. Right. You know, it is just part of who they are. So um, so I kind of I I like that we don't go into this whole 
you know, making a big deal out of the, you know, the sexuality space where they are on the Kinsey scale. And what does this mean? And is Buffy gay? And is mm-hmm. Faith gay? Like, that's not the important question. Like, the important thing here is this essential love story between these two characters. Mm-hmm. And what the fact that it's a same-sex love story isn't as important as the fact that it is a love story between these two people, between these two characters. That's what makes it so good and so fascinating um and so i feel like we got robbed of that a little bit by the time in which this story was being told um yeah also a time in which if somebody if it was two girls kissing that would have been the big deal rather than the fact that it was buffy and faith right which is actually what matters about this right you know yeah um yeah but Yeah. yeah it's it's very 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 gay without being overt most of the time although without the fact that it's same sex being the biggest part of it yeah i mean it's not the biggest part of it it's just that they happen to be both girls but like (laughs) yeah it's it's bigger and better than than just that but that's something that we would focus on so much because oh my god girls kissing yeah like yeah and we just can't handle that um yeah but it's interesting that their relationship is so erotically charged because they're fighting has always been kind of sexual. Like there's from the first, from their first fight where they're about to kick the shit out of each other. It's, (laughs) it's flirtation right up until the, you know, it's, you think you can take me. It's this very like, it's a dance. Yeah. Yeah. It's fantastic. And during this last fight, I mean, Faith even taunts Buffy about the possibility of getting tired. You know, she says, I'm just starting to feel it. So there yeah. is that, and we've established this, you know, over and over and over again, that's, that fighting, slaying, violence is sexual for Faith. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And Faith really, really wants to bond with Buffy over that. I mean, more mm-hmm. than, more I think than, than Buffy connects with Faith, Faith connects with Buffy because Faith yeah sees this opportunity to be seen and known and loved for who she is and what Mm -hmm. she is. Mm -hmm. And Buffy, I think in some ways is just not ready to go there because Buffy is still trying to sort out what is the right thing to do? What is the best thing Mm -hmm. to do? And acknowledging her own, acknowledging the ways in which she is like faith is scary. And it's, I mean, it's a beautiful dance of a relationship. The whole the whole thing. It's definitely a love story. It's definitely erotically charged. I wish mm-hmm. we had gotten more of an overt, you know, lesbian yeah. storyline with these two. But I think that mm-hmm. you can see it as a really beautiful, really complex, you know, girl, girl, slayer for slayer love story. Yeah. Yeah. No, and we do like I, I, we get a love story. You know, so I mean, like, I'm happy with that. I do wish that uh, that those restrictions were not on this story, because I think it could have been even more interesting, more complex and more powerful, you know, yeah. Uh, without making a big deal about it being same sex. Like at mm-hmm. that point, we couldn't not make a big deal out of it. But it really is. It's about two people who love each other. Yeah. And the, whatever gender they happen to identify as is really kind of immaterial because it's about who they are as humans, yeah. you know, and the fact that they can connect with each other sexually as well um, is is 
a, a nice addition of complexity to that relationship, yeah. which would have been really nice to see. We didn't get it, but we can still read. We yeah. can read lots of it in there. So um, well, it's readable. We, mm-hmm. we get some great, great queer relationship later on with Willow and Tara mm-hmm. that, you know, of course, we'll yes. dive into more when we actually get there. But in terms of that, like, yeah, it's not such a big deal that both of these people are women and they're in love and they are sleeping together is, I mean, the show fucks up in a lot of ways, but it does a great job in yeah. a lot of ways too. Um, yes. But speaking mm-hmm. of sexual connection, Buffy and Angel. Yes. Whoa. <laughs> uh, uh, Whoa. You know what's so funny is that all the Buffy and Angel stuff has been like generally working for me and I really like it. This, I was like, eh. It's the least interesting to me for some reason. And I don't know if it's um, if it's because, you know, we had the breakup. We had the culmination of this relationship in the prom. So this feels like, OK, we're we're done here. You know, <laughs> like we're. Yeah. But but at the same time, you know, it's it's I mean, I get it. Like, I get the appeal of it. And it's it's powerful. And she's sacrificing herself for him. And uh-huh. he's feeding off of her and all of this kind of stuff. But what's funny is that for most of Buffy and Angel, you've been like, Meh, you know, and I've been like, no, totally into it. And now we have a little bit of a reversal. Yeah, on that. yeah. Uh-huh. I'm so into it. I'm so not into the coupley stuff. They're like, the way they fight. Yeah. Before mm-hmm. he's shot through the knot heart with a poison arrow, I'm like, oh, come on. Seriously, like we're going to bicker <laughs> like this? And it's just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's fuel to have them standing there having this argument so Faith can shoot yeah. Angel. I get it. Do you want to hear the story or not? Mm-hmm. But when he feeds on her, when she makes him feed on her, I'm like, oh, <laughs> it can't be all like, it's so good. It's so yeah. good. It's so dark and so twisted. And it gives me, it gives me pants feelings, I have to say. Like, it okay. really, it right. really works for me. Um, mm-hmm. Bringing that, that violent vampire slayer slash vampire love story to this weird twisted sexual violent culmination Mm -hmm. in that moment i i'm here for it so here for it (laughs) see i'm here for the buffy and angel love story and like the sexy stuff is like whatever but when it's buffy and spike though all of that kind of stuff like All that the dark twist you're here stuff, for. I'm, I'm there for it. Yeah. I think because, um, it, you know, Buffy and Spike and Buffy and Angel are just different. But Buffy and Angel are treated as this epic one true love. This is everything, <laughs> yeah. you know, kind of thing. Buffy and Spike, at least for Buffy, and I think a lot for Spike, too, because his ability to love is obviously twisted because of his, you know, lack of a soul. Um, his ability to have that, that, like, deep down love along with it, you know, right. makes the sex like hotter you know yeah. it's, just, it's great anyway um so so yeah it's it's funny because for Buffy and Angel it is the it is the heartfelt stuff like when they're fighting in the street I felt that you know I was like she can't see him and like and when he drops he gets he gets mad because he doesn't get mad that often yeah. you know he gets mad, he drops the box, and he's like, whatever then, you know, and starts storming off. You know, I was like, oh, you know, because I felt it. 
and then and then all this stuff with the like you know it's the it's the killer of the dead poison and then yeah. you know he's got to drink the blood of a slayer in order to survive and yada yada and all this i'm like okay fine let's just you know whatever um so it's, it's so funny how the things that work for me don't work for you and vice versa but every now and again stuff works for both of us and i'm hoping that giles oh yes meets that because oh my oh, god yes giles stabbing the mayor through the heart with the fencing sword when he threatens Buffy immediately he's sitting there with the with the mayor just taunting him in oh, his god. face and the second he says I'll eat her I'll eat her oh yeah. my god ah! I love that response I love that and oh my god this is dad Giles in a sweater this is our first sweater Giles I was gonna ask our you first instance of sweater Giles I was gonna yeah. ask you if this counted as sweater Giles well, okay, Sweater Giles, in the full context of Sweater Giles, is season four Giles, depressed and unemployed, right? With nothing to do all the time. So that's Sweater Giles. But here he is bringing, he's wearing a sweater to work. Now here we've seen Giles, right? In the beginning, season one, we have the evolution of Giles through his wardrobe. Season one, it's a three-piece tweed suit oh, yeah. every goddamn day in the middle of California. Southern right? California, um, where it is it is 190 right. degrees in right. October. I hope yeah. that <laughs> the library is seriously air-conditioned. So here he is with that. The only time we really see him, like we see him in the dark age when he's, you know, having a lost weekend with the whiskey because his demon friends are back, that kind of thing. Um, we see him at home, you know, wearing yeah. less formal attire. We saw him less formal, of course, in band candy, like that kind of thing. Mm -hmm. For the most part, though, he's been he's three piece tweed suit guy in like season one. Season two, I believe he loses the vest, but he's still got the jacket and, yeah. the, you know, the whole and the, the tie the and all that kind of stuff. suspenders are happening. Um, yeah, there's a whole. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yes. And now we've moved on since he's left the Watchers Council. It's usually just the shirt and the tie. Sometimes the shirt with suspenders, you mm -hmm. know, um, but he's not wearing the jacket anymore. And now he is in the school in a sweater, which, by the way, looks great. A sweater <laughs> fencing with Wesley yes. during school hours because it yes. is the last week of school after finals and nobody can be bothered to do anything. And nobody Anything. cares. It is senioritis everywhere. It's yeah, no, it is so great. Wonderful. I love Dad Giles in a sweater. He's still like, and Anthony Stewart Head can rock anything. Like, he rocked the tweed. Yeah. You know? I'm oh, not yeah. a big fan of tweed, but I got to tell you, now I kind of I like the tweed. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, and Giles, I think Giles fencing with Wesley in the library might be my yes. favorite Giles. Yes. Second only oh, to Band Candy Giles. One-handed. He's not even trying. <laughs> oh, he is fencing. Okay. I love this so much. Wesley, you know, is like, he's working on his form and he's fencing, you know, he's beautifully yeah. and it's all this all elegant. In it. Yeah. Giles is standing there, cannot be bothered, is fencing left-handed and reading the newspaper. Well, reading the newspaper. Like, he's just, <laughs> it's like this. And I don't think, I don't think Giles is left-handed. I think this is a yeah. Princess Bride moment of, you know. I think so. I'm <laughs> handicapping myself so that the fight is fun. Because, you exactly. know, you know, he would destroy Wesley. He would absolutely yeah. destroy him. And oh, then. He totally would. And it's, it's such a great excuse for there to be a weapon right there when the mayor comes in and is taunting everyone because mm -hmm. i mean 
they might have weapons on the table, but I love the idea that this is just like a fun game sport. They're passing the time fencing in the mm-hmm. library. Yeah. But then the mayor shows up and Giles is going to fucking stab him through the heart. Like it doesn't yes. even. And he he turns so quickly because, of course, the mayor has turned so quickly. We'll get to the mayor yeah. in a minute. But then, yeah. you know, the mayor turns, his voice drops. I'm going to eat her. And Giles oh loses it. It's so oh great. Oh, my Papa God. Bear. Yeah, in that moment, yeah. this guy who can maintain his cool through pretty much anything, that sets him off, mm-hmm. right? Um, and we see that reflection later in the mayor with his response to Faith. Same thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I absolutely love that we've got both those sides of that in this episode. Um, and it's just, and then Giles fishing out her diploma from the wreckage right? after the fight. And just Giles, everything Giles. I just, I love him. I love this relationship. I love how proud he is of her. Um, I love how much she means him. All of that to me, it's just, it warms my heart. I had so much fun with Giles. He really has become the father of the group in this Mm -hmm. beautiful, seamless transition from being this point of conflict for Buffy, because of course he's so stuffy in season one and, you know, he follows the rules and she doesn't and Mm -hmm. he speaks proper English and she doesn't, you know, it's this whole thing, this whole ridiculous contrast that's that's really you know on the surface of it kind of predictable but as they work together and they grow Mm -hmm. and appreciate each other and they become this family giles and the scoobies apparently by by the way apparently season finales make me as nostalgic as graduation makes willow because i'm like oh Oh. everybody like at the very end giles is walking giles and xander are are trading places, essentially yeah. talking to Buffy. And yeah. Giles, very mm-hmm. quietly on the soundtrack, you hear him say, good job, to Xander. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, oh, oh Dad Giles is like, <laughs> Dad Giles. Dad Giles is handing Dad out Giles. the compliments to the kids who did a good job because they really <laughs> did do a very good job. And he's so proud of them. And I I love it. I know. I love it's it. It's so sweet. But he's, he's going off, too, to check on Wesley, who, oh, of God. course, is... <laughs> Is a huge mess in this whole thing. <laughs> Poor Wesley. Oh. I know. But I love I love in this episode, though, that we have Wesley becoming a useful member of the team, right? Yes. Um, he's, he's no longer as much the butt of every joke as he was in the beginning um, when he's there to help, you know, figure everything out. When, when, you know, Angel first gets poisoned and he's like, I'll go check it out with the, um, with the council and I'll try to get information. Mm-hmm. And Buffy appreciates that from him, you know. Um, and then, of course, like he gets, you know, he goes to the council, the council says no, and Buffy quits, leaving him with nothing, because yeah. without a slayer, what is the watcher going to do? Yeah. You know, um, so Wesley, for me, was so fun. And then, you know, when he comes in at the end, and he's like, I just want to be of help if I can, yeah. you know, which is so sweet. And then he's packing up the books. This is the thing, too. Like, the library is going to get destroyed. And, of course, we've got this whole battle to plan. But what are we doing? We're getting the books out. Yeah, we're going to so save the books. Safe. I love we're going to save the books. I love that. Save the books. No text left um, to be <laughs> Right. No text left behind. This awkward, beautiful, awkward, terrible, no chemistry kiss between Cordelia and Wesley is one of my my favorite things in this episode. It's so cute. It's so good. The performance is so, 
spot on. They are so mm-hmm. awkward. They're so yes. awkward after building up all of this tension and there's all of this, oh my God, like, you know, Wesley and Cordelia and mm-hmm. oh, but that's not appropriate. She's a student and all of this, you know, all <laughs> of this conflict. And then they finally, they're alone and they kiss and Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. But the arms, neither of them knows what to do with their arms. It's wonderful. It's like, I want to touch this person. I want to connect with them. But none of this is working. It's so funny. I know. And I love, I I love that conclusion to the Wesley Cordelia infatuation. I do, too. It's, I mean, it's basically the best answer narratively yes. i think that's i mean yes. it's really the only answer but oh god oh god poor poor wesley though like he is having a hard couple of days i mean obviously buffy is having the hardest couple of days but dude is having a right. hard couple of days so you talked about you know his slayer quits the ca- the council yes. won't help him out his slayer quits he's got nothing to do <laughs> except pack up books in the library that they're going to blow up and he doesn't even get like a cool action-y job to do and then Mm -hmm. we're getting ready like we're gonna fight he's willing he's like join the group he's so into it yes and then you know he's he's with group angel right like they're they're, you know an angel comes in and they're getting ready to fight and angel's like pow boom boom combat 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 and wesley comes in and drops like a stone he gets like one he's like like an elbow to the side of the head and he is down (laughs) he just drops out of frame if you blink you miss it i'm just like oh wesley wesley it's so perfect it's so perfect oh jesus i'm sorry something's making a noise outside of my office is it the kids no they're in arizona it's probably fucking cat or something hang on oh you Gotta be kidding me. What's going on? Are you Lonnie Diane Rich? Is that Clive? Hey, that's my microphone. Uh, Chippers Media makes all the podcasts you love free and ad-free. Podcasts about Buffy the Vampire Slayer, Angel the Series, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, How Story Works, Explosive Inspiration, and Star Wars. Visit patreon.com slash chipperish to donate a dollar a month whatever you can afford to keep Chippers Media going, producing great podcasts about great stories. We need to talk. We don't need to do anything. You need to get out of my house. She's going to kill me. I'm not going to kill you. Not you. Bryony Wheaton. That Harridan has been undermining me for months, and now she's trying to have me killed. Harridan? Really? You know that's not a word actual people use, right? Are you going to critique my diction? Are you going to listen to me? If I call 911 from Seattle, can I send them to your house in New York? How does 911 work? You got 30 seconds. No, he doesn't. The Watcher's Council is real. All of this is real. But there are exponentially more watchers than there are slayers, which can make for some rather tense political situations. Bryony got upset with me because I spoke over her in a couple of meetings and apparently mansplained some things to her. And now she's trying to have me killed. Oh my god, are you kidding me with this? Clive? Jesus Christ. What you have to say is not automatically more important than what a woman has to say just because it's important to you. Fine. Lesson learned. Hashtag yes all men. My point is I think that trying to have me killed may be a bit of an overreaction. Oh, so what? Now she's being irrational? Emotional? No, she's trying to have me killed. Yeah, I'm Team Bryony. She won't come here. We've been using chipperish media to send our messages to a person of importance who listens to your shows. As long as I'm with one of you, I'm safe. Uh, Fine. What? Look. Clive, I'm on a tight schedule. I have two podcasts to record today. I don't have time for this right now. Lonnie. You can sit in the corner there and think about what you've done. Lonnie. Be quiet, and when I'm done recording, I will deal with you. Thank you. Thank you. Lonnie. 
Yeah. You're letting him stay? I don't know. He seems harmless. And he's kind of cute and all disheveled and panicked and wearing tweed. He's kind of a Giles. Oh, God, no. I have a weakness for British men. Yeah, that's a weakness that has served nobody well. All right, let's just finish this up and I'll deal with that later. You mean the police will deal with it later, right? I'll handle it. Don't worry. He's sitting in the corner of my office. He's playing with my iPad. It's fine. I guess. If you're sure. Yeah, we got to get this done. Okay, so where were we? Oh, we were talking about Wesley and this battle. This battle, which honestly is so great. Mm -hmm. I mean, typically for me, like the the fighting is usually the least interesting part for me. I don't tend to care for that. I can appreciate the athleticism of the dance, the choreography, Mm -hmm. um, you know. And I think that some fights, like the fight with Faith and Buffy on the terrace there, you know, and the handcuffs and all Mm -hmm. that stuff, that's, you know, sometimes it can be really cool. A lot of times it's, it's, you know, punch, punch, kick, kick, boom, and you're gone. And I, I don't care, you know. Um, but this, this, the students pulling the weapons out from their graduation gowns, Xander's commanding the troops, Angel's pulling in the flank, um, you know, Cordy sticks a vamp. Cordy sticks Harmony a gets vampire! But oh <laughs> I know, she gets to stick a vampire. It's so great. There's something so, I love how empowering that whole sequence is. The here are these kids, you know, um, with graduation gowns, which, by the way, are flattering on no one, but they can definitely <laughs> hide a lot of weaponry. So there is that. Um, it's so cool and fun. And as far as like final battle scenes go, this is one of my favorites. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. This is, I mean, hands down, my favorite season finale of the whole series um yeah because mm-hmm. it is that it's that large group of people all doing something together all i mean it, together. it's gorgeous and i think the reason mm-hmm. i've been thinking about the fight sequences and like why sometimes they work and sometimes they don't and i think mm-hmm. you know part of that is does this serve a purpose narratively Right. Or is it just Mm -hmm. like, oh, we're going to pause the story right now and Buffy's going to fight some vampires in the graveyard. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, so that's one thing. If we can use the fight to advance the story, which, of course, is what we're doing here because it's the final Mm -hmm. battle, you know, that helps. But also, you know, usually you have one um, fight choreographer on set and you have one stunt mm-hmm. coordinator on set and sometimes they're the same person. So right. <laughs> so everybody just kind of fights the same. And what I yeah. love mm-hmm. about this huge battle is that we have a bunch of folks who shouldn't know how to fight and they don't. Mm-hmm. A big part of the strategy is just bodies. We're all just going to charge at this group of vampires all at the same time. Mm -hmm. And that's what works, that they are coming together, that they're all there at the same time in the same place with some pretty badass weaponry. I mean, Larry with the flamethrower. And then I like it. And then, of course, I mean, R.I.P. Larry. I'm so mm-hmm. sad. I know. That Larry, Larry dies. Larry dies. Harmony gets bit. And of course, Harmony getting bit is this just really quick cutaway moment. Mm-hmm. And in that moment, you don't know what that means. <laughs> like, what that moment so is going to start in the run. I oh was my so God. excited when Harmony got bit. I'm just like, yeah! 
Vampire Harmony is one of my favorite things ever. I am... Vampire Harmony. Oh my god! I am so gonna bite you. <laughs> I'm so gonna bite you. Um, yeah, there. Uh, Vampire Harmony delights me in ways that are not natural. Oh, like yes. I, I love her so much. Every time she shows up. It's it's like my favorite thing. It always makes me happy when she shows up later in Buffy, when she shows up in Angel, the series. Oh, like, I love <laughs> all of it. So knowing that this is the moment when I see Harmony get bit, that this is the moment that creates all of that amazing stuff that I am going to love when we get there. Uh, I, I, I absolutely love that. I am very sad that Larry, you know, Larry yeah. bites it, uh, so to speak. Yeah. Because um, I loved Larry and I loved Larry's arc throughout the whole thing. But, you know, we had to lose something, right? You know, you have to lose somebody. We have to kill our gay characters. God damn it. Trippy. Kill your gays. That's right. Jesus. Oh, man. Jonathan and Larry with the explosives in the shopping cart. I'm just like, yes. What? Mm-hmm. I know. <laughs> It's so great. All of it is is so fun. And I just love the empowering the empowerment of the battle. I love that it's all these kids who have been getting picked off one by one that are like, not today. <laughs> right? Um, it's, just, it's really, really great. It's really, really great. And then, of course, we zoom in on Buffy and the mayor. You know, that yeah. piece gets, you know, we get to do the big group fight, everybody coming together. And yeah. then we do the personal and I... It's so perfect. I love it so much. I know. And I mean, of course, bringing him into the library, right? All the explosives <laughs> in the library. She jumps out the window. And I'm thinking, okay, they knew she was going to jump out the window. They couldn't have left the window open for her, knowing that that was the plan. <laughs> she was going to go, th- you know, whatever. No, man. I mean, you um, need a job it was to, keep, to open the window. Breaking you need the dramatic glass breaking dramatic her landing on the ground next through to the glass. <laughs> <laughs> for all time's sake. And then Giles there with the plunger. You know, and then, of course, we have the, oh, gosh, you know, from the uh, from the mayor snake, <laughs> which is, I, I don't know, it's it's one of those controversial moments. A lot of people really, really don't like that. I, I think it's kind of cute. <laughs> yeah, I could I could go either way, honestly. I was like, yeah. eh, you know, I mean, Mayor Snakekins the first. I like that he's still himself yes. <laughs> kind of under yeah. the mm-hmm. snaky exterior but whatever i mean it's <laughs> the yeah. show can't take it's itself goofy. too seriously yeah that's true that's true it's goofy um it does bring us back to some of the stuff that we like the most about the mayor is that even when he's monstrous he's still got this very 1950s you know kind of leave it to beaver sort of vibe to him you know so bringing that back in is kind of funny mm-hmm. um uh, but also, like, that's a big moment. And he is filled with fury because of faith, you know? Yeah. So that response doesn't seem, I think, emotionally genuine to the moment. Um, so it's, 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 I don't know, it's tough. Like, on the one hand, it's kind of funny, you know, it's kind of cute. And on the other hand, it, it sort of undercuts that powerful heartbreak fury of a father who has lost his daughter right you know and it's going after the girl who took her um so all of it i don't know it's it's one of those things i i'm i appreciate what it is and what it's trying to do and there is kind of a cuteness in that moment uh the greater context of it i think it undercuts some of the power 
of that moment, mm. you know? Mm-hmm. Uh, so I don't know. I can, I can go either way with that. Um, one of the things, though, that I, I really found it, it's very, very quick. We get like one scene with Joyce, right? Um, and Buffy is sending Joyce out of town. Mm-hmm. And this, I think, is when the switch happens. Buffy becomes mom and Joyce becomes child, mm-hmm. you know? Um, and she's packing everything up and she's sending Joyce away. And she's saying, if you stay here, then you're going to get killed. And then Buffy has this moment where she says, I wish that I could be a lot of things for you. Right. Which is not something that a child, I think, I think a child feels that with their parents, mm-hmm. but they usually don't express it like that. You know, mm-hmm. uh, parents, I, I think, are more likely to feel that for their kids. There are things that I wish I could be. I just had this conversation before we started, you know, doing the podcast <laughs> with my kid because I'm ordering pizza for dinner tonight. So I wish I could be a mom who cooks. But I'm just not a mom who cooks. Like, that's it, you know? Um, so it's it's funny to see kind of that that swap in those roles. And this is where Buffy really is the mom, you yeah. know? And Joyce is just like, okay, mom, if you say I have to leave, I guess mm-hmm. I got to go, you know? Yeah. Well, and Buffy yeah. is everyone's mother in a lot of ways. I mean, everyone, yeah. mm-hmm. perhaps with the exception of Giles. And right. Buffy mm-hmm. mothering her mother is the graduation cap on this idea of Buffy because Mm -hmm. Buffy's the the one who doesn't have a choice. Yeah. Yeah. Buffy's the one who doesn't have Mm -hmm. a choice, but to be responsible. And we've seen this over and over and over again. And here she spells it out for her mother and she is the mother in that scene. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, and that really is, that is yet another turning point because that's the Buffy that Mm -hmm. we see moving forward. I mean, with a few exceptions here and there, but she does just continue to grow into that kind of everyone's mom (laughs) figure in a lot of ways, Um, which is what happens with some of us when we have to grow up really, really fast. (laughs) When you have to grow up really, really fast. And speaking of growing up. We have a huge moment for Oz and Willow. Yay! Right? Um, I kind of love that Oz (laughs) panics with sex. I think that as far as panics go, that is probably one of the best ways to do it. (laughs) Yep. Yep. It's so sweet. And again, it's the taciturn man, right? You know, Willow's like, I'm here. I'm freaking out. You're acting like everything's fine. Can't you just panic? And he kisses her and he says, I'm panicking. Yeah, it's so wonderful. I love that Willow is talking about, you know, the fear and the anxiety is something that people can share. And Oz has a better idea for something that people can share. I'm like, yes, yes, this is great. This is great. And it's a great solution to a really tense situation. Um, Yeah, I think it's a good idea. If the world is ending... Just, just you know, have sex. Just well, and it what? shuts down. I mean, just from a biological standpoint, yeah. it shuts down that whole yeah. fear, tension, pain cycle. If you yeah. can get into mm-hmm. that cycle, one and one, yep. you know, you can feel a lot better really fast. And one of the best ways to do that is with oxytocin. So there everybody's favorite hormone. Well, not everybody's. <laughs> not everybody's. Too much oxytocin makes some people depressed. Um. Anyway, oh, really? yes, wow. yes, which is why some people um, who give birth and choose to, you know, try to breastfeed um, will find mm-hmm. that breastfeeding boosts their oxytocin too much and it makes them depressed. Oh, wow. Yeah, there's 
There's all kinds of science here. If anybody wants to geek out with me about the science of reproduction, <laughs> I'm happy to do that with you. Not really relevant to yeah, Buffy that's the Vampire Slayer, except, on Twitter. Exactly. Or Instagram, whatever. That's or Instagram, the, wherever you find her. Wherever, wherever you, find you find me online. Um, but yes, that, you know, it's, it is a, it's sweet and it's funny and it's very, very Oz. To it is very odd. He's a man sex of sex into this yeah. moment, and that's like a legit great solution to freaking out. It <laughs> like, is. It is. You know, I actually really like if it. If sex is something you are interested in engaging with, it's a great way to reset your mood. And I love that. that yes. And I love that. That's what happens. I love. <laughs> I love the happy calm that follows the Willow Oz you know, couple sexual debut. It's that it's lovely. It's lovely. It is. It's very sweet. Although we do get this moment that that usually bugs me in this context. It doesn't quite bother me as much. But this I feel different. I'm a girl and I've been penetrated by a boy. (laughs) And so now I'm suddenly different because we we treat like virginity, you know, as though like, first of all, the only way you can lose your virginity is penis and vagina. Like, that's it. You know, everything else you do, still a virgin. (laughs) Like that idea is ridiculous. Virginity is a complete social construct. It's not a thing, you know. Um, And then always afterward, the women are different. Like after Buffy had sex and Joyce was like, you look different, you know, Um, all of that drives me crazy because it's always on the woman the woman is suddenly different you know (laughs) and it's visible from space like all of that kind of stuff drives me crazy but the thing is is that that oz who has had sex before right says yes everything is different and so yeah i think it is more that their relationship has changed you know, because of this experience that they had together, right? Um, And I think that that is, so I'm kind of going to give it a pass, but it's one of those things. Having a girl who has just had like one form of sex, Mm -hmm. who could have had a million different other forms of sex a million times before (laughs) that, right? Um, Having a, a, a girl say, oh, I'm different now. Like it's, it's such a ridiculous idea. I had canon that as she is awash with happy cuddle hormones and just feels yes. she feels different in the sense that she feels way better now. And also mm-hmm. they you know, this is someone that she loves and wants to connect with. And they have connected in this very yeah. specific way. And she's feeling like mm-hmm. re- like good different about that. That's my head canon yeah. on it because. Yeah. yeah, no, and, and I accept that. I'm, like, that's okay. If it wasn't for the millions oh, of yeah. ways in which we do that shit with women about virginity all over the place, this wouldn't bother me at all. I would be fine. Totally, with it. totally. And they are so yeah. sweet then continuing to like... <sighs> touch and kiss and make out and you know they're they're on angel watch but they take time Ah. to make out and willow says you know that she feels guilty because everything is going to hell but she's Mm -hmm. like you know she's feeling so much closer to this man that she loves and i'm just oh (laughs) here i go with the feelings 
again. But it's and then of course Buffy yeah. comes in and they like <laughs> fling themselves apart. We were just watching. We, we he's fine. He's you know she she's because she's still Willow. She's still mm-hmm. Willow best yeah. friend on the job, even though she's having this you know this new and wonderful experience with her sweetheart. Yeah, yeah. I love it. No, it's very nice. <laughs> I love it too. Um, so Faith and the Mayor. You know, we get this relationship with the two of them um, right in the beginning, you know, when he's he's giving her that pink dress. Right. Which is not who she is at all. And he says, nobody knows. (laughs) Nobody knows what you are. Not even you, little miss seen at all. Right. That is okay. I think there's two ways to read this one that he's trying to make her into something more like himself. More of that 1950s, mm. you know, kind of leave it to beaver kind of mm-hmm. thing. Trying to make her into something that she is not. Two, that he sees in her something that she doesn't see. That that is actually a part of who she actually is. Uh, what do you think about that? It's Their relationship is so complex from the mm-hmm. moment it begins. And it just continues to become complex as we move through the season finale, I have a lot of thoughts about what he's doing there with her. I think that he, first, I think he really does love her in his own weird Mm -hmm. way. Um, In the same way Mm -hmm. that Faith is Buffy's connection to this kind of darker, more rebellious side that she might not engage with otherwise. I think Mm -hmm. that Faith Mm -hmm. is the mayor's connection to his humanity in a way that he might not engage with otherwise. So there's that. But at the same time, he is so patriarchal in several senses of the word. I mean, putting her in this dress Mm -hmm. that is clearly, (laughs) clearly not her and insisting that, you know, the boys who survived the ascension will be lining up to ask her out. It's still very much about her sexual capital and her desirability within the sort of male gaze space um yeah but he does want to care for her it seems to me that he does want to highlight this thing that he appreciates about her which is that Mm -hmm. sweetness that devotion um because she is incredibly loyal. I mean, he makes the joke yeah. about the dog, and we talked about that mm-hmm. being more Faith mm-hmm. than Buffy. Um, but that's something that yeah. he loves about her. He loves that she is so devoted to him and so sweet uh-huh. in a weird way. <laughs> you know, going going out of her way to, you know, murder <laughs> volcanologists, for example. Like, just... It is, again, like such a complex mm-hmm. relationship. Um, and he's not shy about telling her yeah. who she is and what she is, um, that she mm-hmm. is his daughter and he does own her mm-hmm. in these ways. But he also, you know, he says to her when she's in a coma in the hospital, he says, yeah. this is your day. Like, it's a weird it's a it's some weird it's some weird yeah. patriarchal nonsense, but there's also that undercurrent of like mm-hmm. real connection, which of course makes yes. him interesting mm-hmm. as a villain. He's not just a mustache yeah. twirling yeah. 
villain. He's got this this heart and this weakness. I mean, yeah. he's a family man. Right. He, he told mm-hmm. us right up front. Um, but he's. I mean. Oh God, the, the mayor. mayor. <laughs> I mean, the mayor. Like, here we are at the end of oh this, God, this you know, villain arc for him, right? Um, and what I love is that, like, we've had a lot of fun with the mayor in this, you know, G-Shucks 1950s vibe versus, like, you know, encompassed in this evil, I'm going to eat everybody and become a giant snake demon, mm-hmm. um, you know, and ascend and all of this kind of <laughs> stuff. Um, so we've had fun with that kind of general, um, you know, juxtaposition of these these contrasting ideas for him. But what makes the mayor most interesting is his love for Faith, like how much he loves her to the point where his love for Faith ends up being the weakness that undoes him in the end. Um, but, you know, we see him him in the hospital, you know, over her, uh, grieving, goes to Buffy, tries to kill mm-hmm. Buffy, you know, then shouts at Angel. Oh, he's yeah. losing it. He's losing his control and he's losing his composure, which is something that we don't see in the mayor. Very rarely does he actually yeah. get upset, you know, um, but this has him yeah. shook. And the fact that, you know, with this character who has, you know, such incredible evil that he's actually going to make people sit through an entire commencement speech when he's just going to kill them anyway, which is true, <laughs> true evil. Um that even with all that evil, you know, what it is about him that makes him most compelling, most interesting is the human love, you know, are these qualities that we would consider positive and good. Um, even though it comes definitely, you know, there's a darkness and a twistiness involved in anything with the mayor, you know, Um but it's really interesting. And also, like, you know, we talked about, we, he talked briefly about his his wife, you know, Edna May, who he stayed with yeah. until she died. Yeah. Like, he was faithful to her, yeah. you know, and stayed with her through that whole thing. Um, yeah, like, it's, yeah. yeah. And he's a widower. He's yeah. wearing his wedding ring. When we see yeah. his hand manipulating Buffy's head in the hospital, which is, like, for my money, one of the yeah. most chilling yeah. aspects of the series so yeah. far. Um, but yeah. he's got his wedding ring on. He's still, he really mm-hmm. is that family man. And it's this love for, I mean, presumably his wife yeah. and now for Faith that connect him to humanity. Even when he is Mayor right. Snakehands the first. Like, that's, <laughs> that is a fascinating detail about the demon like that the demon so i mean (laughs) anya tells us lots of lovely information about Mm -hmm. demons and how they work but what's fascinating to me is he becomes the human becomes pure demon and that's what makes him Mm -hmm. so terrifying at the end except that he still has that human human soul he has a human heart yeah it's very interesting very very interesting and of course you know using mm-hmm. his human weakness and his as the thing that would destroy the demon feels very yeah. on brand yeah. <laughs> somehow <laughs> like it feels very um i don't know i don't know yeah. just right on narratively speaking i mean it's it's really interesting at the beginning mm-hmm. of part 2 when we move from buffy yeah. leaving the roof 
to the mayor reflecting on Faith mm-hmm. and what must have happened. You know, she doesn't like to be cooped up. He knows all about her. She's a good girl. All of these things. We end the scene with the mayor convincing yeah. himself that she'll be all right. And he repeats it yep. three times mm-hmm. like a mantra. And it's both chilling yes. and heartbreaking. Which is beautiful. Um, yeah. And that, I mean, I think that is one of the reasons, at least for me, why the mayor is possibly mm-hmm. the yeah. greatest villain of, of the series. I mean, he's truly a fantastic villain for, you know, all the reasons that we've talked about. But right now, you know, in 2019, he yeah. feels very contemporary mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um when he's invulnerable and he is strutting around the school and just mm-hmm. taunting everyone, he is so sure of himself. I mean, he always is. But in those moments when he yeah. walks into the library and he's just spelling it out for all of them and he knows nothing can hurt him, it's... Oh, God. When he says, I'm going to eat her yeah, to Giles. Yeah. Oh, and man. then turns right around i love his reaction whoa yeah (laughs) like he's Ah, offended ah, ah. he has said this to giles yeah and then is offended when giles stabs him through the heart with a foil Mm -hmm. whatever um (laughs) but that's such an evil person thing to do like it's so like well why are you getting upset you know Mm -hmm. (laughs) like it's so great that he is both pure evil and also has this sense of what is respectable and appropriate. Like he tells Giles Mm -hmm. not in front of the kids. He tells Mm -hmm. his vampire posse to watch the swearing. Yes. What? Mm -hmm. But also, also that feels so correct and it feels so reflective of what we're seeing right now, especially politically with, people doing a lot of well this is this is what's right and proper mm-hmm. and it's really just scary language to control people he's so yeah. so good at that putting up that front of mm-hmm. um you know respectability and he's he is mm-hmm. proper and traditional in these ways that are good and right because they are traditional and oh he's just yeah. Yeah. <laughs> He's a yeah. lot of things. He's a lot of he things. He is a lot of things. He is he is fantastic though. And I think honestly all of those things are things that make him truly one of the best villains, not just of the Buffy, you know, run, but like one of the best villains I think I've ever seen on TV. It's so good. It's so complex. He's so interesting. He's compelling. You know, um, all of it, I think, is is really, really great. Um, so I've, I've enjoyed Mayor Wilkins tremendously throughout this season. It's one of my favorite, favorite villains. Um, another thing that I really enjoyed was Anya, as brief as she is. You know, <laughs> she comes in, she gives all the information. Um, I love Willow's How Come Evil Girl's in the Mix. You know, um, Willow does not like Anya. And we don't resolve that until Triangle in season five. Jeez. Like, it is crazy how long it takes. <laughs> to actually resolve that tension between Willow and Anya. Um, I love, and this is the Anya, God, when they get Anya together with Xander, it ruins Anya. But this Anya, this Anya that like, I'm getting the hell out of town, come with me. Are we going to kiss? Like, um, I love this whole thing. I love when when Xander says, welcome to the world of romance. And she goes, it's horrible. No wonder I used to get so much work. Oh, Anya. 
Oh, Anya. <laughs> but she's got her own brain and she's got her an intelligence and she knows what's going on and she's got capability and all of this stuff that I love in Anya and that once she gets together with Xander, we strip her of, you yeah. know, where she's just the comedy mule most of the time. Yeah. You know, or the I like the money. Joke. I'm strangely literal. Uh-huh. Yeah. You know? Yeah. 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 But this I love, is good, Anya. I love this Anya. I love Anya mm-hmm. who has seen some shit. She knows what's up with the Ascension. Um, she knows how demons work. I love her telling yes. them that they've never seen a demon. <laughs> You've never seen a demon, yeah. Buffy is so miffed. Uh, excuse me. I know. <laughs> and I love I love that concluding line, you know, about what makes what makes you know, pure demons different. Well, they're bigger. Right. (laughs) Great. (laughs) Wonderful. Yes. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's very, very fun. Um, We have a few lines in here though, that kind of bug me. Like there's this moment with uh, Xander talking to Anya in the classroom, right? Where Anya's like, well, men like sports. We can watch sports. And he's like, yes, men like sports and love to eat of the beef and stare at the bosoms. And I'm like, okay, that is literally the argument you make every day, Xander, when it suits you. So kindly fuck off. He gets so upset about this stereotyping of men. And I'm like, are you kidding me? (laughs) Right. Yeah. Yeah. When he will use Um, that same stereotype to explain away his own deplorable behavior. Oh, exactly. He is boys will be boys. A hundred percent. Like this is what (laughs) Xander does, you know? So when he gets offended by this from Anya, I'm like, oh God, just shut up. And then we have, you know, these moments where, um, where Buffy says to Wesley, if I need someone to scream like a woman, I'll give you a call. And I'm like, oh, God. God. And then later on, she's saying, good, start bickering. You guys are like little old ladies. And all of this is, you know, I I get I'm like, oh, God, Buffy. But then it's Joss. Joss Whedon wrote it. These are this kind of thing where we associate femininity with weakness, with being annoying, with being difficult, with just being wrong. We associate bad things with women all the time in our culture. So when people are like, I don't know, I'm not sure that our culture is misogynistic. Jesus Christ, it's in the text. (laughs) It's in the goddamn text. It's what it says on the tin, you guys. Like, exactly. Really. Yeah. This yeah. kind of thing. Throw like a girl. Scream like a girl. Scream like a woman. Run like a woman. Right? Whenever we want to insult somebody, we call them a woman. Yeah. Or, you know, a pussy. Right? I mean, <laughs> come on. Yeah. I don't yeah. know if society is misogynistic. Oh, my God. <laughs> So anyway, here we have here we have that terroir, right? What's in society gets in the ground, gets in the grapes, gets in the wine. And then here we have this. And I'm just like, and when I see it, it just annoys me so much. But also, like, if you hate women so much, maybe don't make a show that is about young women. I don't know. I just... I'm just going to well, put okay. that out there. For- First of all, like whether or not Joss Whedon specifically is a misogynist deliberately and with, you know, with malice of forethought, like that's a whole, like that is not a discussion that we have We're not having this the discussion. right or the willingness to have, right? Um, that's not it. The fact is that our society is misogynistic. These are things that come up through our culture and then reflect us back at ourselves, right? So this is an opportunity for us to look at that terroir, to look at that reflection and say, yeah, that's some bullshit, right? Um, So I'm not saying that Joss Whedon hates women. 
right? I am. Um, I am not saying. Okay, <laughs> <That's> fine. <laughs> you can say whatever you want. No. I don't feel that I have the right to, to say that. I'm inflammatory. It's what I do oh, here. It's no, okay. but I don't think that he's. I don't think that he is any more misogynistic than our our whole culture. I think that the. Uh, the claim of Buffy being such a feminist text can be refuted quite a bit um, with some of this kind of stuff, some of these things that we see. But that, again, becomes it's part of the culture. You, you know, everybody who's raised in our culture has misogynistic leanings because that's the way the culture has formed us. You know, and it takes actual effort and consciousness in order to battle that, you know. And if you haven't gotten that, con- I've said stuff like this. I've gone through my books. Oh, yeah. This shit is oh. in my books. I've oh, read same it. same here. You know? I mean, I've written it. Yeah. Yeah. Internalized. I mean, internalized misogyny yeah. is definitely a thing. Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, really, I am just being, <laughs> I'm being cheeky and addressing, yeah. you know, not just the writers of Buffy the Vampire Slayer, but mm-hmm. writers in general. Um, yeah. You know, I will see things often that I think, mm-hmm. you, like, you clearly just don't like a particular group of people why even try to feature them in your work and not you know i don't know i don't know just i don't know see i wouldn't say that the creators of this show don't like women i would say that the creators of this show um are in a society that hates women are part of a society that hates women and that gets into the work and i mean like you know honestly as a writer i just read a book of mine where <laughs> there were a couple of lines in it it wasn't misogyny, it was homophobia. But I was like, no, all right, now, <laughs> now I know better. But at yeah. the time, it was it was the way in which we joked around, right? So as I'm reading this book of mine, <laughs> in, which, in which I feature a transgender character, like with respect and love and, you know, all that kind of, like, I still had that in there. You know, it wasn't conscious, it wasn't deliberate, but it's part of the culture. So like, I think that for me, especially because I know I have personal experience with writing this shit, writing stuff that looking at it now, 2019, Lonnie would be like, oh Jesus, 2004, Lonnie, get your shit together, you know? Yeah. Um, so like, I have sympathy for that. And I don't think it necessarily means that people are misogynistic or that they're bad, but I think it means that like, we have this stuff in our culture. and looking at it, being conscious of it and calling it out is really important. At the same time, while I call it out, I do not want to condemn the people that wrote it because, uh, you know, I mean, I got to condemn myself too. And I do a little bit when I read it. I'm like, Jesus, (laughs) past Lonnie. What the hell? Right? What the literal fuck, you know? But you learn. You learn and you grow. And then, you know, it's something that you can avoid in the future and be conscious of. So, I mean, that's it. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm not taking shots at anybody who wrote it. Um, you know, Joss Whedon is a complicated figure with regards to feminism in general. That is a whole other discussion that can be had somewhere on somebody else's podcast. I'm not interested in, in talking personally about the people who, who write this stuff. Um, but it is something that it is important that we look at. And it's important to me to be able to look at this stuff because as I start picking up writing again, I want to mm-hmm. make sure that um, that my writing and there's there's also a difference, too, between reflecting and looking honestly at things in society consciously, knowing it and putting it in your text so that you can talk about it and simply having it in your text as a presumed truth. Yeah. That screaming like a woman is bad, that running like a woman is bad. Yeah. You know, throwing like yeah. a girl, that kind of thing. Um, so there's a difference between having it in your story consciously and you're addressing it. 
and having it put in there based on this societal presumption that women are bad. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not actually holding, you know, a 20 year old TV series to the standards (laughs) of like, basically, like, like, I would guess I would be willing to wager that hmm, probably, I don't know, like 95% of the shit that I complain about with respect to Buffy would not be made today. Like those decisions wouldn't mm-hmm. happen because we have a greater consciousness society like 20 yeah. years have passed like we yeah. have made mm-hmm. we have made not you know enough progress but we've made some progress some not progress. no yes. progress so right you know we have graduated as it were <laughs> yes some of us more so than others um mm-hmm. yes which is why which is why a lot of a lot of it feels is something that is fascinating to me and continues to fascinate me as we talk about Buffy Mm -hmm. when things still feel very relevant versus when you know we look at something and go oh well that wouldn't be written that way today or it Mm -hmm. wouldn't be shot that way today Um, or maybe it would maybe it would be in the show but it would be commented on in this other way that Mm -hmm. we weren't doing in 1999 we were just you know Boys yeah. will be boys. Woo! You know, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, you know, it's all it's all fascinating to think about. And it isn't fair to criticize, <laughs> you know, criticize something that was made then for not being made now. Um, right. Mm-hmm. And and I'm going to be salty about certain things because <laughs> this is who I am. <laughs> That's okay, baby. You bring your salt. I love your salt. It's totally fine. All right. So, Noelle, what are you wearing? Oh, my goodness gracious. So, we talked about the pink dress and yes. how it completely mm-hmm. does not suit Faith at all. And mm-hmm. is it the mayor trying to bring out something in her that is authentic to her that she doesn't want to acknowledge? Or is it him putting his patriarchal bullshit on her? Right. I'm going to say yes. And it is mm-hmm. both. It is all of those things. It is wonderfully flimsy and ill-fitting on Eliza yeah. Dushku. Like there's just, it was chosen, clearly chosen so yeah. deliberately. And her black bra, you can see through it. And I think that that's a <laughs> wonderful detail because it's not the see-through in the way that's a deliberate see the black bra through, which yes. Faith has done before and rocked. It's the very subtle... Yeah, that's a dark bra under there. Like it doesn't it like, doesn't look good. She yeah. doesn't have the she doesn't have the quote unquote right undergarments for this yes. dress. Like nothing. Yes. Nothing yes. about this is right for her. Mm-hmm. Um but Faith does wear something that feels very, very right to her um uh-huh. in this episode, and that is her white tank top with the immaculate heart of Mary on it. Did uh-huh. that stand out to you at all? Because <laughs> no, I it didn't, but you lost. know, I miss the symbols. You always get the symbols, oh which is God. why you're so perfect for this. But I always <laughs> miss the symbols. Yeah. So that that jumped out to me immediately, and I lost my mind. So Faith is wearing this this white tank top with a black uh-huh. print of I think I think it's the Immaculate Heart of Mary on it, which mm-hmm. represents the Virgin Mary as the Mother of Sorrows. Yeah. The grieving mother regarded as a symbol of deep compassion for humanity. And of course, this is the tank top that Faith is going to wear when Buffy stabs her in the gut. And there's something so beautiful and, you know, point counterpoint about this whole thing with Faith where she puts up this hard 
exterior mm-hmm. and she chooses to engage with the dark and with the evil and the violence. But it's not because she doesn't feel. It's because she feels everything yeah. so deeply. Mm-hmm. And it's mm-hmm. so dangerous to be that vulnerable. And I love this as a symbol of faith as somebody who is in a tremendous amount of pain because the heart is almost invariably pictured on fire. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, right. You know, it's on fire, uh, mm-hmm. usually ringed with with roses or lilies, which symbolize um, heavenly joy and purity, respectfully. But there's a sword piercing the heart, which illustrates mm-hmm. Um, illustrates a verse from the Gospel of Luke that says, and a sword will go through your heart so that the secret thoughts of men may come to light. And I'm just like, I mean, connecting faith to secret grief and suffering just, Mm -hmm. oh, it just highlights her whole, her whole unspoken backstory, but that we get we get subtextually throughout season three. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, I, I lost my shit. I love, <laughs> I love, I love symbology just in general. But yeah, that, I was mm-hmm. like, that was chosen deliberately as a bit of characterization. Mm-hmm. And I bow down to I love it. the costume department. Um, I've had a couple of requests to talk about Faith's hair. Okay. And the way that it changes over the course of season three. Mm-hmm. It when when she's introduced when she shows up she's got this big, like wavy, sexy, uh, Victoria's yeah. Secret kind of hair going. Yeah, and by mm-hmm. the end of season three, her hair is super straight. Yeah, it's like limp and flat in this very. Yeah. I mean, it's still very fashionable. She still mm-hmm. looks very put together, but. There's none of that like billowy, bouncy, there's no sexy bounce. fun. Yeah. There's no fun. Mm-hmm. It's all business. Yeah. It's all mm-hmm. straight and to the point. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, I mean, that's just my really, really quick read on it. Um, yeah. Folks in Discord have some fantastic thoughts on hair mm-hmm. and makeup and clothing. And if you're not a patron, I mean, seriously, just for <laughs> just just for the still pretty discussion of like, what yeah. people are wearing and why and like the history of it and apparently all of these things that I never know the name of. I'm like, that yeah. probably has a name. Someone in Discord knows that name. Someone so, in there knows it. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so, you know, patreon.com slash chipperish and then you can tell me the names of all of the things that I completely missed. Yeah. You can tell me that it's actually the Sacred Heart of Jesus, perhaps, and not the Immaculate Heart of Mary. But who whatever. knows? Yeah. Who knows? Could be mm-hmm. anything. Um, so... <laughs> It's actually the the maroon caps and gowns get called out mm-hmm. textually as <laughs> being interesting. Um, Cordelia, yeah. of course, Cordelia lobbed for the teal. Yes. <laughs> Lobbied hard for the teal. Um, but maroon, the color maroon is associated with power, risk, passion, courage, and strength, among other mm-hmm. things. I'm like, yeah. huh, yeah, if you're going to war with the graduating class of 1999, we, we can yeah. use some, like, passion, courage, and strength. That would help. That would help. Sure. Also, it hides the blood really nicely. Like, right. No, it does. You know, it definitely does. You think you're going to die in something. Whereas, you know, teal is the color of restfulness and mental and spiritual balance. Which, right. Mm-hmm. Not as not as good. Um not quite, yeah. No, no, not quite as good. But, uh, and, you know, of course, graduation gowns are great for 
hiding all of your hiding all demon of those weapons. weaponry. I do yes. wish the kids had looked a little bulgier when they all stand up. Nobody's got <laughs> any. Nobody actually has anything under their gowns. Like it's very Looney right. Tunes, you know. It's right. like flamethrowers, and it was like, how? Where was that this whole time? Where was that the whole time? <laughs> but Just, yeah, you know what? Do you want to hear the story or not? Yes, exactly. I do. <laughs> Thank you. I accept that somehow Larry was right. able to hide an entire flamethrower under his mortarboard. Always... It's fine. Right. It's always not about how it actually is. It's about how it feels. Yep. You know, so that's how it felt. Well, and that's how we know of what it would be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's how we know we're in fantasy space and not science fiction Mm -hmm. space is my understanding of it. Science fiction would say, well, they used the such and so device to shrink the weapons so that they were pocket sized. And that, you know, no, no, no. Mm -hmm. It's about Mm -hmm. the class of 99 is going to graduate by destroying the literal patriarchy yeah snake of the patriarchy the patriarchy snake (laughs) i mean i love the snake is a pretty well whatever um (laughs) yeah Yeah, i love um like wes in his purple striped shirt with the suspenders oh my god it's just so goddamn adorable when he's fencing and he's all like so proper it's so cute. Yeah. So as far as like outfits for me, it was like Wesley and it was Sweater Giles. Like those are the things that I just had to, you know, well, I, I, I love it. And yeah. I don't have greater sense of meaning from any of it. I'm just saying I think it's adorable. My weakness for British men is not good. It's mm. not good. <laughs> as, we, as we've established. We've addressed this. Yeah. Well, I, I have some <laughs> I have some concerns, but we'll discuss those privately. It's okay. He's in the corner. He's still playing with the iPad. It's fine. Um, all right. So, Noelle, what's your favorite part? Oh, my God. Okay. So for heart feelings, it's definitely the entire graduating class revealing yes. their weapons. Buffy shouts now and suddenly a hundred people all, you know, in unison. You can you can always get me with large groups of people doing things in unison. Mm -hmm. I think it's my dance training. I find it. So you love flash mobs then, huh? Oh, yes. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, my God. When that was a thing. Yeah. Oh, Jesus. I love me a flash mob. Yeah. It's so there is something very, very moving about Mm -hmm. a group of people you know, all working together, working together. In concert. Yeah. yeah, it's gorgeous. Um, But for pants feelings, my favorite part is Angel drinking Buffy. Oh, God. Okay. Fair enough. Yeah. Fair enough. <laughs> I mean, I, I have I have deplorable taste in some ways as well. Like, don't, it's, it's not just about you and your British men. There's also me and my vampires. Like, this, We've established, we know how I feel about Darla and what I want her to do to me. So, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. You know what? Love what you love. Right. You know, just accept it. That's just it may it may reflect on you in some ways that kind of are alarming. But, you know, whatever. I'm fine with that. I'm fine with that. Right. So what is your favorite part? Oh, God. Giles stabbing the mayor through the heart. That sudden moment of just fury and passion and he just stabs him and knowing that it's not going to do anything knowing that the mayor is invulnerable knowing that it changes nothing it saves no one but he does it anyway because he's a goddamn dad i love that the mayor's love for faith is what takes him down like there's something about those proof of love stories Mm -hmm. that have always hit me just exactly you know in the heart because you know, there's things that people people say they love, you know, people claim it. 
Um, but they don't necessarily do things that prove it, you know, when it comes right down to it. So when, when somebody does something that does not benefit them, you know, mm -hmm. just out of pure love, like that to me is, is just such a beautiful expression of, of love that you can, that you know is real and that you can believe in, you know? So I, I love proof of love moments are always going to be my favorite. And so Giles, you know, stabbing the mayor, I just love it. All right, that's it for today. To join in the discussion on Twitter, follow Lonnie at Lonnie Diane Rich and me at Noella Loud and use the hashtag StillPretty. Or you can keep Chipperish Media going to the tune of a dollar a month or more and gain access to the live chat in Discord where you can hang out with me and Noelle and all the Chipperish patrons who always knock during dark rituals. You can also show your support by giving Still Pretty a fantastic review on Apple Podcasts or by telling your friends about the show or by drinking coffee because tea is soothing and you wish to be tense. <laughs> we'll be back next time with The Freshman, the first episode of season four. Until then, man, just ascend already. 